Everybody, welcome to Evolving with Corey Castle, episode 208. And welcome to the end of 2020. Welcome to the beginning of 2021. And welcome very much goes out to my new friend, Just Incredible. What's going on? Hey, dude. How are you? How, how's life treating you, man? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. Uh, you know, with this pandemic, uh, it's been like nothing else. I've been in the business 28 years, man. And uh, this is the first time I've been off from wrestling. Uh, you know, not off. I, I had a match a couple of months ago, but realistically not working a uh, semi-full-time schedule. So uh, it's been hard financially, but it's also been hard just from a creative uh, being out there and, um, you know, just being around the boys, the fans, and uh, actually getting in the ring, you know? It's a total <clears throat> adjustment period. You know the oh, way yeah. the way I started putting it from the beginning? It's like, uh, you remember when they started banning chair shots to the head? And you go back, yeah. and you go back and you like watch that old stuff and you're like, oh yeah, dude, we used to take tons of chair shots to the head and it wasn't a big deal. But you watch it now, you're like, uh, now, now you know that it's so banned. Yeah. I feel that same cringe when I watch something and guys are like hugging each other or shaking hands or something. I'm like, ah, I can't do that. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Same, same sort of yeah. that same feel hits sure. you. Yeah. But I have to, I have to make sure that I tell you. Um, so of course, everybody who gets into the business got into the business because there are huge marks. Sure. And everybody who's in the business are the marks. Like, the marks got into the business. It's a sure. matter of crossing that barricade. Right, right. So for me, I have to say, since I'm a Philly kid and a mark, I grew up on ECW, like going to shows. I sure. didn't really get to go to the arena because I was like kind of too young and my mom didn't trust South Philly very much. <laughs> so I didn't really get to go to the arena, but I saw some of the that I went to like the uh, Woodhaven Sports Center show. Yep. Yep. And uh, I went to the oh, what, the Southampton Armory shows. Okay. Yep. So all as as a child. <laughs> so so uh ha having you hang with me and like us just hanging up, you know, doing a a chill combo here is pretty neat. So yeah, I, right on. I, Part of me starting this podcast, and the reason it's called Evolving with Corey Castle, and the port, the part that my name is in it is less about like really putting me over and more yeah. going, more going like listen to me as I evolve. So I want to have conversations on the record with people who had some sort of meaning in my life. Oh, really? So I want to go on the record with saying, like you being a part of that, and me being such a big fan of yours. Is is it was pretty significant in the growth of who I've become, and I will continue to evolve due to that. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, for yeah, your, no doubt. Your piece of work in that. That's really cool, and um, yeah, I mean, like that's uh, you hear that a lot now, and I hear it more as the older I've gotten. Uh, you know, kids that were you know maybe 10, 15 years my senior, my junior, I should say. Uh, saying how much ECW meant to them growing up and how much, uh, you know, it was part of their high school years or stuff like that. And it's it's mind-blowing, you know, because for me it was just a moment in time, um, something that I did for work, A, but, you know, something that uh, I didn't feel it was, like, so – I didn't feel that it had such an impact on uh, on the fans. So it's really cool, and I take that very seriously, and I'm humbled, really, um, because uh, there's not one time I was at a – a convention this weekend in Albany, New York. Uh, one of the first time I saw fans and some of the guys and gals in the business. Um, and somebody said that to me. He's like, man, you know, when I was 15, everything was about just incredible. Uh, Sammy Callahan, who I was with recently doing a shopping, uh, talking shop of mania too. Uh, Callahan said the same thing. He goes, man, I got into the business because of ECW and just incredible was a, one of my main influences. And to hear top guys in the business say that is, uh, is pretty mind blowing. You know, it's, it's really cool. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much a bottom guy in the business, but I'm a power bottom. Guy. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> like I, I, I don't have a, a name that means as much as Sammy, but I have the history there. So when you and sure. I met, I met you when you were in CZW and I was in CZW. Okay. I okay. was only I was only 19 or something like that at the time. And I'm, okay. 
I'm about to be 37. So it's a long, long ass time that I've also been around the Indies and I haven't really made a huge name for myself. So I don't really advertise that I've been doing for as long as I have, because you'd think I'd be way better and moreover. Well, but, it's, you know, that's not the case, man. A lot of times it's just right place at the right yeah, time. Exactly. You know? That's, that's the way, that's what, that's the way I go. Like not taking it too personally at all, because, because, you know, that's why I start, that's why I start the episodes beating the drum because as long as oh, you right stay on. consistent, yeah. stay consistent in my drum, someone will eventually be like, you hear that drum playing? And that drum playing is, you know, signifies my effort. Sure. Yeah. And so when I met you back in the day, so I also have been doing this for, you know, a good chunk of time. So I recently had someone say something like that to me and they were like, oh yeah, dude. Uh, I was, he was like, oh, it's such an honor to get to work you, dude. I watched all your stuff on the internet. Yeah. Like back in like 2003 and I'm like, okay, cool. I work exactly the same way. Right. And they were like, oh, really? And I'm like, no, I've grown. I hope I've grown. Yeah. I hope I've grown a lot since then. Yeah. But like it was, it was, it's neat. And it's weird because when I was the younger guy, I used to say to the older guys, like, oh, I was, I looked up to you. And some of the older guys would be like, come on, don't do that. You make me feel old. But yeah. when I hear it, I go like, I hope I'm an inspiration to you continuously. Sure. Yeah. I hope that, I hope that that carries on past past what you watched and what you'll right. continue to consume yeah 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 that's a good point actually that makes a lot of sense you know and that's the that's one thing that a lot of uh, these guys and gals sometimes don't realize is you know this is their opportunity this is their time to uh to step up and uh you know take control of the business um you know and uh one thing that drives me nuts about them sometimes is uh i don't think they fully understand that instead of going out there and trying to mimic what they watch on TV, uh, let's say the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega or whoever else they watch, you know, they go out there, I watch a lot of indie stuff, and uh, they, they, they try to be a carbon copy of a lot of these guys that they see on uh, AEW or on NXT, on Raw, whatever it may be. Right. And uh, instead of just carving out something for themselves that, you know, nobody else is doing, I'm surprised there's not more guys and gals doing it because that's what it's really go That's what it's going to really take for people to move to that next level because, you know, we already got a Kenny Omega. You're not going to do it better. Um, you know, he's, he's him. Um, so right. be the best you, you could be, yeah. you know, and that's what I always say, uh, to people that ask, you know, as, as a heel, I've been doing these promos where I say, you can better. You can be a better version of yourself. Just be more like me. <laughs> that's actually really cool. That's a that's a pretty cool gig. But re really, like the in anything, it applies to everything. It's like no one else has got your voice. No one else right. has got your perspective. No one else has lived your life. the The movie that you see through the lens of your eyes, right. you're the only one seeing it. Right. You're the only one who. You're the only one who, under, who understands the the reasons why you made your decisions. Yeah. So, the same with in comedy, like uh, in doing stand-up comedy, they say like find your voice. That's kind of like what in pro wrestling is find find your style. Yeah. Like you can be trained by a person sure. and try to be just like that person, or like you get your own. Get your own shit. Yeah, get your own shit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was trained by the Hearts, and uh, you know that's Brett and Owen's family. That's the world famous Hart family, and uh, you know I got the basics from them, sure. Uh, and I'm, you know, that's one of the things I'm most most proud of in my career. But then, of course, you can't go out there and be a carbon copy of Bret Hart or Owen Hart. Um, you know, Lance Storm was actually uh, Lance Storm and Chris Jericho graduated in the Hearts in 1990. I came through in 92. So, uh, you know, Lance Storm ended up training uh, a lot of our, you know, training a lot of our guys uh, because mm -hmm. the hearts were getting older. So Jer Jericho and Lance, uh, mostly Lance, uh, were inside the ring teaching us spots and stuff like that where the hearts would only come by once or twice a week. So, uh, you know, you end up just learning from so many other people up there. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't go out there trying to be a technical wrestler like those guys or even like Lance. Right. Um, I just ended up trying to be uh, the best version of me I could be. You, you learn what you learn when it's time to learn it, yep. but then you develop as you get out there. Yeah, you, absolutely. I think I've learned more 
outside of the wrestling school, which sure. for me took a long time because I didn't take to it naturally. Yeah. I stunk. And I stunk <laughs> for I stunk for a good portion. But yeah. I say I by the time I was like, all right, I kind of think I get this. Yeah. I, I was already, you know, I was probably already seven years in. And then I was like, well, you know what? I'm gonna start trying to do stand-up comedy because okay, because it's not like it's not like you decide what you want to do and that's the only thing you've got to do. Because I thought sure. for the long the longest time I'd focus on like, well, that's the thing I want to do, so it's the only thing I want to do. Instead, I started like going and making my own voice because now I can go. Ain't another person doing what I'm doing. Yeah, ain't another person doing what I'm doing who's got the voice that I've got. And that's why I say, like, when somebody else comes to me and they talk to me about starting a podcast or doing something else, I'll absolutely give them any advice or any help or any uh, any any uh, resource because they're absolutely not a threat to me. It's like, right. okay, if you're doing it too, you've got a different perspective. Sure, than sure. yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I mean, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's going to take. Um, everybody it's going to take everybody to be different and to kind of mold their own way and again it's like what's uh what works six months from now may not work you know down the line or you know what i mean sometimes the past doesn't repeat itself i think we're at a point in wrestling right now where we've you know especially with aew it's like um, so much stuff looks alike to me. It's like if you watched one AEW Dynamite, you watched them all. And the reason I'm, I talk so much AEW is uh, that's really one of the only shows I watch religiously because I do a podcast with Vince Russo where we review the show every week. So I, I take notes on it and stuff. So, right. and I don't watch a lot of WWE because I'm wrestled out of there of you know that company. But uh, uh, with AEW, it's like you almost have every match is you do a dive to the outside. Somebody does a kick or two or those running knees, you know, those Kenny Omega running knees, everybody's slapping their thigh 50 times. Can, can I ask you, know, you apron bumps. <laughs> Go ahead. How many insigiris is too many insigiris? Uh, anything more than one. <laughs> there's Seriously. a ton of them. In yeah. wrestling, there's yeah. a ton of them, and I hate them. There's yeah. dives, too many dives. Yeah. Well, that's, too, much that's... Dives, too many insigiris. Yeah, it's like, but that's, but it becomes so, uh, so exposed to me because, you know, all you see, and there's been many other people joke about it online where you could count how many times in a match somebody's slapping their leg. You know what I mean? Or, uh, you know, doing a dive or the new thing now. I don't even know if it's new anymore. I think it's old where people are taking big bumps on the apron. And, you know, it almost seems like every match you start, you're seeing these things. So, A, it, it really, it devalues it. You know, it devalues a move that's really impressive, and it makes it look just like anything else. So when you keep uh, putting the bar up so high, it's like, well, what's the next thing going to be? And then when you find that next thing, which is probably really dangerous or, you know, it hurts to do, then after that gets old, what is your, your, the bar is moving too high, too fast, yeah. um, where I didn't get it either when I was younger. I just wanted to go, go, go. But when I finally got to a place where I realized, man, I got to do this thing every night. Um, like that's why I always, uh, any advice I give to guys and gals is when you pick your finish, make sure a, you could do it to everyone, you know? Um, cause you know, if you're a smaller guy, and your finish is something where you got to pick them up and hold them, you're probably not going to want to do that if you're 150 pounds. Because right. if you wrestle someone that's 250, 260, it's not going to work. Right. So you want a move that you could hit anybody with. And two, you're going to want a move that you can execute every night to some degree of you know, safety. You don't want to, like if somebody's finish is a 450 splash, you got to do a 450 every night. And after a while, I'm sure that takes its toll on your body, on your. You knees. will soon be the man that gravity remembered. Right, and uh, you know, but if you do a super kick like Shawn Michaels did for his finishing move, not too bad. If you hit a stone cold stunner, not too bad. RKO, one of the most over moves in the business, not too bad. Right. So you you want to keep it to stuff like that, and uh, you know. A lot of people uh, always think you know the younger generations. You know, a lot of them are like, oh yeah, but 
you know, that's just the way it's going. And the business is, and I say that's bullshit because the minute, you know, you get to a pinnacle in the business where you feel like you have to keep moving that needle up and up and up, something happens. Like if you would have told me that uh, in the nineties, the biggest finish and one of the biggest finishes in the history of the business was a stone cold stunner. And it wasn't even called a stone cold stunner. It was just a, a cutter of some right. kind. Yeah. Right. You would have, mm -hmm. you would have called bullshit. If you're right. over like the people's elbow, right. It was you just know, it's an elbow. It was, he just kicked his foot up. <laughs> exactly. So that's right. the whole point is if right. you're good enough and you know how to work it, you could get any move over. It's just how you want to present yourself and how you want to get it over with the people and if you work your magic properly should be able to do it you know just, some to more success than others but you should be able to do it just like you said earlier just pick it's just the right person the right place right time yeah. it's yeah. just uh, just it's just a matter of luck sometimes i know it's it's it's, yeah. it's it's difficult to say that you've put you've put your your like the the force of your effort on mm -hmm. some other force that isn't you but it's luck in this. In well, yeah. I mean, look, it's not, I always thought, and I was naive, but I did get very lucky. Um, you know, you think like it's, ba it's not baseball or football or basketball where if you're the most talented guy on the court or on the field that it, you know, hard work and being the best is going to pay off. We've had right. some of the greatest wrestlers never main evented and never became, you know, more than undercard. Uh, it has so much more to do than that. Like uh, for me, a lot of my biggest opportunities happened just in, just because I was in the right place at the right time. The WWF contract that I got as Aldo, um, I was doing jobs for them, TV jobs. And, uh, you know, I lived in Connecticut, which was like I lived like 45 minutes from uh, Stanford from their office. Mm -hmm. And they needed somebody to go down there and work with Undertaker and Brian Lee. Um, and then after working with them too, cause they were doing the fake undertaker, um, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson came down to watch the last, uh, dressed rehearsal. Cause I was wrestling Brian Lee on raw the following night. Right. And, uh, you know, Vince and Pat started asking me questions about where I was trained and what nationality I was, which I found kind of strange. So, uh, when I told, uh, Vince and Pat that I was Portuguese and, uh, they popped, I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And uh, they asked me, can you speak it? I said, yes, I can. Well, they, they, they were like, okay, cool. No sold it, kind of. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, find out, come to find out that they were looking for a Portuguese guy all along to go to foreign countries that spoke Portuguese because business was down in the States and they needed somebody uh, that spoke the language to go over there. So, again, I was in the right place at the right time, spoke the right language. I mean, it took a lot of... Uh, variables for me to get my first break um you know there's, there's and it just goes from there factors. yeah and it just kind of and the story goes from there where i was just you know i happened to be uh, in the right place of course you have to have skill and you have to right. be good but that's just that's just a given right it's just mm -hmm. you, you you should know that going in the right. rest is a, a little bit of luck and a little mm -hmm. bit of determination you know and again the stars have to align you know well, like um did, am I am I wrong? I might have heard this wrong at some point. Did they want you to do some sort of soccer thing at some point? Uh, they did, yeah. Yeah, okay. that was the first draft on uh, what they wanted the Aldo character to be because it was around the time of the World Cup. Okay. And uh, they figured, you know, that would be relatable, but uh, somebody put the, the squash on that. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like uh, the, the dynamic dudes with skateboards that the they Skateboard, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it would be like, unless you're really good at soccer. Yeah. You're just sleeping on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I, what I was, I was going back to when you were talking about the apron bumps, the first time okay. I ever saw it, the first time yeah. I ever saw it was Trent acid and ruggus. Oh, okay. So yeah. that was, the, and it was meaningful because they did it like once and then didn't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they did it once in the States and they did it maybe once in Italy or something. Oh, wow. But, okay. But for the most part, yeah, I ever saw it. Cause they yeah. were like, well, that's probably dangerous. And yeah, yeah, yeah th that's like, it's an overstated fact that that's the hardest part of the ring. Like right. for sure it is. But the thing is, look at that in relation to the fact that most of the people watching it have never touched a ring 
never been punched in the face, never touched ropes, don't know what it's like to fall down in there, don't know what it's like to bump, don't know what it's like to 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 go through any of those motions. So why even bother? (laughs) Like why even yeah. And and but that's the thing, and this is where they go wrong with it. Um, if you express through commentating, and Jim Ross does a great job, and and many others uh, on the WWE side do a great job, but uh, you put over that the apron means a lot, that bump means a lot, mm-hmm. then it's up to you, the the person that's taking it, to sell it properly, because you're the only one that can, can that can convey that danger and that message. So instead, what I see these guys and gals doing is instead of really selling it. Like, you know, like you, you took a, a bump on the floor um, or, or, or whatever. Um, if you don't sell that properly, then it's just going to become another bump, which it has. Um, and they don't do it justice for themselves because they're just taking more and more crazy bumps and it's going to catch up to them. But B, the, 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 to the business, they're not doing themselves any credit because it's just going to make it's going to kind of water down everything else to where fans expect that stuff. And like, it's up to us how we sell it and how we react to it. Like we're the actors in this play. We're Mm -hmm. the ones that dictate to the fans, not the fans dictate to us. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the newer generation, um, they, they get dictated to by the fans because they want, they want those five-star matches in the sheets or the internet and to them, that's, 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 I mean, look, it's great for wrestling journalists, like legitimate wrestling journalists and people's uh, opinion to be high of you. Everybody wants that. When I was in ECW having the best matches of my career, I, 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 I listened to what Dave Meltzer said. If I had four mm-hmm. stars, four and a half stars, you know, well, well, we, we, as you know, wrestlers, we, we, not as performers in general, as people, this is probably a very, uh, very, core like in your bone marrow seek validation and any of those positive reviews are a validation and even the negative reviews are attention and we all want to be heard and seen and (laughs) loved unconditionally (laughs) like that's you know being relevant matters so if somebody who's relevant is speaking your name you by proxy are pretty relevant Sure. And, but it just like, you know, it, it comes a time where, you know, even as any artist, as any musician or as any actor, actress, um, you take what any critic or the fans have to say and you, you, you process it, you digest it. And then you, you kind of look at it objectively and say, okay, what could I do to improve? What could be better? But you can't live and die by that. And some people unfortunately will, and uh, they throw all their confidence out the window because fans may not necessarily dig a particular match that they had because they didn't do enough flips or whatever. Um, I just think that uh, at the end of the day, everybody needs to find what, what it is uh, when they go out to the ring that makes a good match. What, you know, for me, it was knowing every night, whether I call it in the ring or call it in the back, I knew I could go out there and produce a solid, solid match, no matter what, with whom, or, or, or whatever. And I think that's what a lot of people these days, unfortunately, don't do. They're more, they're more into just, um, you know, what is the, how many stars am I going to get? Um, and instead of saying, where am I on the show? How am I going to add to this card? It's, um, it's, you know, it should be it, less pandering and more. Well, more, I mean, you know, everybody genuine. should know. Yeah, everybody should kind of know that they're expected to go out and put on a great match, but, you know, not necessarily do uh, 50 moonsaults to the floor uh, if you're the opening match. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and that, that's a, that's, that's a system. It doesn't happen so much in WWE, I know, because they are very stringent on those. Um, I remember when Shawn Michaels was using the super kick as his finish, nobody else in the company could use it, period, no matter where on the card. I mean, right. you could be at a house show and Shawn not on the house show, you still mm-hmm. couldn't use the super kick. Right. Um, you know, because, uh, again, it just it devalues it. Yeah, well, and so well, when you see a super kick, it means something. Right. There's there's a there's a level of kayfabe that no longer exists, and it's, True. it's something on the podcast Rassle Rock 
where I, I call it, uh, it's like such a gray zone. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, uh, we, what's in character, what's not in character. And I've been calling it gray fabe because we don't really understand yeah. what's and what's work, what's shoot. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, uh, unfortunately, I think that for, for my generation, I can only speak. Um, we really cared about what the, the, the generation before us did and thought there was a certain respect. And I feel like today where, when we finally got into our late forties, which I'm 47, um, you know, the, the boys would in some way, I don't know, man, you know, kind of respect us in certain ways. And mm-hmm. I just think that they've, t- they've taken the ball and run with it in ways that they don't protect the business for anyone but themselves. I feel like wrestling has become very much a selfish thing where they're not worried about anybody else. They're not worried about the company. They're not worried about uh, whoever's on the card. They're just worried about, I'm going to go out there and do whatever it takes to have the best match. Um, it might, be, is, about, it might okay. be about the gifts. Right. It's like, it might uh, look, be about the gifts. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and right. just catching that, that high spot so you could post it online. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man, it's just, uh, it's just a wacky kind of thing. And I'm kind of rambling. Cause I'm not, I'm not making the exact point I want to make. I'm, I'm, I think I'm grasping at the words, try to, you know, try to, try to, let me try to try to articulate it some way. If, and tell me if this makes any sense. And and I'm just going to relate it to mine because I for sure you're you're the generation before me for sure. So I cared about that. My generation cared about that, right. and my generation cared a lot about about. So in in kayfabe, as as we become part of the business, we are no longer considered marks for the business, and that was right. part of it. The programming inside of it was a big big thing that existed as part of protecting the work of your character and part yeah. part of protecting the work of the business so i used to always say uh just around around the locker room i'd be like you know it's weird that like i can't wear like a triple h shirt here without being called a mark and it being a bad thing right back then i'm gonna say like the early 2000s the early 2000s you couldn't you couldn't be a mark yeah. And they would they would push humility really hard about being yeah. humble, and yeah. and that part of it kind of got sucked away. Sure, that part of it kind of got sucked away in the the selfishness of I'm going to wear what shirts I want to do. I'm going to do what moves I want to do, and it's not as much about you know uh, the 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 old saying, and I'm sure I'm sure you're well aware of it. Like we shake everybody's hand in the locker room. Because we know everybody in the locker room needs us just as much as we need them. So people in the beginning of the card mean as much as the people at the end of the card, because the people at the end of the card, they've, they've got a spot to fill just like you do. Right. So you go around and you shake everybody's hand as a part of respect. And, and it's, it's, it's made fun of, and it's kind of passe. Now have the little worker work, little worker handshake with the fingers. Right. 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 It was was supposed to mean like, if I, if I work, if I, if I work light on that handshake, then I, <laughs> I'm taking care of you in the ring. Right. Right. Cause yeah. we need each other. Cause yeah. we're all going to try to make money together. Right. We're going right. to try to draw houses together. Now, yeah. <laughs> I think when, when this was like, Oh, that's old, that's old guy stuff. Okay. Boomer. I think like the generation is like, Oh, we're redoing it. We're making it better. But like, it's not, necessarily better no no it's not it's not and uh, well let me say this i mean i think there's there's room for everything there's just to me um respect is what this business was made from it came from respect uh the business in some ways and this is going to sound really weird but uh wrestling taught me respect in life mm-hmm. um because back in the old days man uh when i was in the wwf from 92 to 97 I left the ECW to go to ECW in 97. It was like, if you didn't carry bags and if you didn't do the young boy stuff, you'd pay for it. Like right. you just didn't fit in, man. Those guys would physically and literally like bully you, beat the shit out of you. 
Um, you just weren't welcome. Look at what happened to the Miz. For a long time, he wasn't even allowed to dress with the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't like him. And so I, I but in a way that people are going to be like, man, that's so bad. That's so this, that's so that. The, we had to um, some, you know, they would test you like that, like they do for frats and other things to test you to see, um, you know, A, is he trusted? Does he belong? Um, can we go to war with this guy? Because, you know, when you're on a 30-day tour of, you know, of Germany or Europe or all these other places, you know, you're literally going to war. You're away from your family. You're in a different country. You've got to rely on your brothers and sisters, you mm-hmm. know, inside the ring, outside the ring. God forbid something happens. I mean, I've been on tours where you, I've lost people. I've gone to their hotel room and found them dead from an OD. You know, um, it's it's very real and something yeah. that a lot of indie guys and gals don't understand. But it goes much deeper than this um, old school ritual. It's it's really uh, a way to prove yourself as a as a good, honest man and or woman, and really to respect the business. To this day, I still shake everyone's hand. Yeah, uh, just to kind of just to kind of break the ice too. You I know? think there's a there's a there's a certain there's a certain like when when the bis- the era before mine and going into mine like they would push you until you decided you weren't going to be sure. fit for this. Sure. So they'd only make sure that people who really wanted it were able to participate. Right. So uh that was like beat into me for a while because I yeah. think like, honestly, like I, like I told you, I was really bad for a really long time. So yeah. it was like the fact that I stuck around. Sure. Like that made people go, okay, he belongs here. But yeah. for, for a lot of people and a lot of generations, they were just like, oh, well, our, our school needs to make money. So we'll accept your money. Uh, yeah, and yeah, don't yeah. really, don't really. Don't go anywhere. You don't really need to be in shape. You don't really right. need to uh, look like you're an intimidating pro wrestler. We'll right. give you whatever character you want because you're giving us money. And I yeah, think was, that yeah. the desperate, the desperation for Mark's money and the Mark's being us, the yeah. Mark's being us, right? The desperation for the Mark's giving the money. It's, it's like you're this. It goes back to the same thing. as like, People who don't know what it's like to be us and do what right. we do, calling the shots because they paid the money. Right. It, it's it becomes pay to play, yes. which I I see more often than not. I um, I call because, this business pay to play, like probably seven times a week. Um, because it no, but it really is, and I would say a good a good portion of it, maybe forty percent of the business, um, because there are so many outlaw, indie, whatever you want to call them. Um, that, you know, I'll go into a place in New Jersey, for example, and I'll know nobody on the card. Um, everybody looks like they're 150 pounds or 450 pounds, um, don't belong in the ring, um, literally probably have no business being in the ring, probably only trained for a, a little while, and they'll never go anywhere. And those are the guys that pay money to come in and bump and play wrestler. You know, they don't want to go anywhere with it. It's pay to play. And, and unfortunately, look, everybody should have a chance to, to get into the business. But it's a crime to put those people in front of paying audiences and try to put that forth as professional wrestling. It's because that, only, that kills you and I. In yeah, it's embarrassing. It it's is. embarrassing. And I say it on the podcast, Wrestle Rock. I say it all the time. It's like if I say if somebody goes, hey, you're a wrestler. Oh, my friend's a wrestler. My friend Johnny. And I'm like, yeah. okay, let me see Johnny. He's wearing jeans and yeah. Walmart kick pads. I'm like, I'm not Johnny Johnny kick Johnny Walmart kick pads. Right. I care about my gear. I care yeah. about why I'm here. I mean, yeah. no offense to you in the jeans, but I'm saying that was perfect yeah. for that time. Right, I right, loved right. that. I loved that look. That was perfect for you. But I'm saying, like, nowadays it's, no, it's I know what like, you're saying. I I make sure my gear is my gear and no one else on the show has any gear that's like mine because when it comes to the end of the show and the people are leaving the building, they go, my favorite part of the match was the guy who had his name on his butt. (laughs) 
So yeah, they remember they, you want to be remembered. Hopefully. You want to look like a professional. Hopefully, like yeah. A professional, you know. Having yeah, having some pride in what you do is important. And absolutely, having pride in what you do when someone else has less pride in it because yeah. they're just trying to they're just trying to mark out. Yeah, they're weekend warriors having their WrestleMania moment with their buddies that they had that they had the same match at the wrestling school fifty times that they're about to have in front of twenty five people. You know, right. uh, yeah, it's it's what it is, man. It's what it is. But, in, you know, what are you going to do in the early 2000s? Like I used to I used to be brought in by places to just mm -hmm. put over ticket sellers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The and infamous like, ticket sellers and barely ever making more than $20. And, uh, and that $20 trend lasts until my 30s. It's yeah. like it's yeah. such a pay to play business. And it's like. Yeah. Oh, I've given it my heart and soul. I've given it most of my life. Yeah. And I can do, I can, what I can do is have what I've learned be something that means something to somebody else when it comes right. time to teach or when it comes yeah. time to, to, to discuss or when it comes yeah. time to compare our experiences. Yeah. Like I, I, I wanted to bring up your like YouTube stuff that you were oh, doing. Oh yeah. The pro wrestling one. Yeah. yeah did, did you stop doing that? No, I still do it now. I do it now, but I do it on Vince Russo's channel. Now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I still have it. Uh, and it's the same kind of stuff. You know, if you just go on the search engine and type in pro wrestling 101, uh, it's still there. It's basically for that, uh, those of you who don't know, it's just uh, five minutes of a small lesson on certain topics in pro wrestling, you know, stuff that was taught to me. And all I do is pass down the knowledge that I've received, uh, from 27, 28 years now uh, in pro wrestling, you know, which is great because it took me a lot of years to acquire and accumulate all of that knowledge, you know? So I feel like just, you know, sharing that because that's one thing I feel bad for is a lot of these guys and gals are looking for uh, that information or looking for certain lessons and certain ways to do things. I mean, uh, I really got lucky uh, working in the WWF so young because you know, I'm sitting here talking to Pat Patterson. I'm, I'm going up and down the road with, with Razor, you know, Shawn Michaels and, uh, you know, uh, Undertaker. I'm having conversations in the locker room. Kurt Angle, uh, you the, name the it. The cars, yeah. the classrooms, that the, the yeah. old, yeah. old thing. I got to I got to work with Mr. Perfect and, and go down the road with him. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about guys like I learned so much. And uh, it sucks because a lot of these guys and gals, these young guys and gals don't get that kind of information anymore. And it's sad. So I felt, you know, I know some of this stuff is being passed down. A lot of it is being passed down in schools, but uh, if I could just have a little thing uh, once a week where I could just drop some knowledge that somebody dropped to me when I was coming up, maybe somebody could uh, find it useful and uh, you know, check it out. Yeah. You, you know, what's really cool. The opportunity that we have, when I always say yeah. how amazing it is, the, the, the world that we're living in when people sure. go, ah, 20, 2020 sucks. Or people were like, ah, oh, this stinks. I'm like, you know, you have a magic box in your pocket all the time, right. all the world's information that you need to know sure. back in the day, like yeah. old people would pass away and their lessons would be gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so the fact that this all can be on the record, all of yep. these amazing lessons that you've yep. learned that you can pass on, like all these people who passed on, who can't pass these messages on like a Kurt Hanning, like, you know, you, you, you can, you can kind of wrap it all into a five minute sure. bow yeah. to just kind of go, well, it's on the record now. And, yeah. and I say this about my podcast all the time. I say, I'm going to continue doing evolving with Corey Castle until I no longer am evolving and I plan on no longer evolving when I'm dead. So yeah. I will continue to do it because I want to continue to learn life lessons. And if sure. I can learn your life lessons, that's why I want to hear it. Sure. You know I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's and, uh, and we do, we live in a unique time of information. I mean, God, when I was coming up, man, you know, literally the internet was not there yet. Um, you wanted something, you'd have to order it on VHS. <laughs> you know, if you wanted some Japanese wrestling or something like that, uh, it was everything was tape trading. Um, you know, you just didn't have the uh, the knowledge and information you have now. I mean, now everybody's got a, a phone in their pocket that could, you know, you could watch any match you want. You could communicate with people you could never communicate with. I mean, I literally the way I got a hold of because back then 
you know, there weren't wrestling schools online everywhere. Now you want to go to a wrestling school, just dial, you know, Google wrestling school. And there it is. There's many, many, many. Um, back then the business was so closed off. I didn't know there were wrestling schools. Uh, I'm from Connecticut, like down, you know, down the road in New York or in mm -hmm. Massachusetts. I found out about the Hart brothers in Calgary. Uh, I was, I just graduated high school. I was, um, you know, a grocer, like working at a stop and shop grocery store, uh, doing uh, bagging groceries and picking the picking up carriages from the parking lot. And during my break, I uh, stopped by the magazine stand and I picked up a pro wrestling illustrated magazine, which were great for us, you know, because that's how we, you saw a lot of the wrestlers that weren't on your local television. And uh, all the way in the back, there was an advertisement that said, dare to be great. Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp. And they showed a picture of Bruce, uh, Keith, Owen, Brett, etc. And I was like, holy shit, this is what I want. You know, I've wanted it. I just didn't know how to do it. So I had to call Bruce Hart, you know, send all this stuff via snail mail back in the day in order just to get a shot at going to wrestling school, where today kids have so many opportunities to just you know, get connected and you could connect to, to people in the business that you admire, you know, drop someone a DM, you'd be amazed at how many guys will get back to you, right. you know? So there's so many opportunities to really uh, make something of, right. of your career that we didn't have. So, you know, I just wish that people would take more of that chance instead of just sitting back and uh, waiting for it to happen. Cause you know, you hear people that are on the Indies, a lot of bitter people, that are like, oh, I've been wrestling for five years and, you know, I'm not going anywhere and I'm not making any money or this and that. There's so many complaints where it's like, dude, you're just not, you know, I'm sure a lot of the stuff, you know, could be better for you. But are you really trying? Right. Are you really doing everything you could? You know, I mean, shit, I used to go on the road, you know, sometimes seven, ten days uh, on the indies and make like 40 bucks a night. Just, but happy to be on the road making those 40 bucks a night and wrestling every night and, and being out there mm -hmm. where, you know, a lot of times people, you know, shit on it now. So, you know, it's just pr putting everything into perspective and realizing how much of an advantage uh, people have today that are coming up uh, as they did maybe 27, 28 years ago. I, um, I have to mentioned that I was just like, before we were talking, I was on somebody mm -hmm. else's podcast, somebody else's wrestling podcast. And okay. they, they were like, talking to me about something. And I said, just, just for, just for relativity, that my first time I ever used theme music, theme music in wrestling, it okay. was on cassette tape. Yes. Yeah. So it's amazing, amazing what the world is doing and yeah. how it's all changing. So, it's part of going back and respecting like, well, that was, that was my, my first taste of stuff. And that was like, I was, I was 15 or something. I was, yeah. you know, but that's, <laughs> it's, it's funny to, to think about like what was right before that, like yeah. was the generation before yours using like a, like a record player. No, it was always tapes, man. <laughs> uh, even, yeah. even when I, when I came, when I came up, it was like, literally you'd have to rewind and have right. it right at the moment you right. wanted yeah. to play it. Yeah. But even in WWF, when I was there as Aldo and PJ Walker doing like B-Towns, literally the ring announcer, there would be a boom box at ringside mm -hmm. with, with all the tapes queued up tapes, like right. cassette tapes for this WWF now. And right. he would take the uh, the uh, the house mic, the ring announcing mic, put it on the, and on put the, it on the speed. Yeah, because there, wow. no, uh, there was no sound system. It wasn't the major arenas. It was the... The auxiliary arenas, the small uh, armories or high schools or whatever. So yeah, it was bush league for all of us for a long time, man. Right. You know, well, like, that's a, the the part of like the part of like really putting it in perspective and sort of yeah. zooming out, zooming out from how great you've got it, and yeah. understand that it took a long time of struggle for yeah. it to become as comfortable and luxurious as it is. Well, people always think, too, especially uh, in the 90s, because Vince wasn't doing the greatest business. This was around the time of the steroid trial. Um, I thought, man, I'm, I'm in the WWF. This is huge. This is all limousines. And boy, you got to. It was it was not what you would think. Right. There were uh, I mean, I remember um, guys like uh, three or four of us splitting a rental car and, uh, you know, doubling up at the Super 8. And I'm like. 
I'm with Razor and those guys, and, you, and we're making like you know people thought we were making thousands of dollars a night. We we're making like three fifty to four hundred a night, and that's the big guys. Right. So it wasn't what you know they made their money on merchandise and pay per views. But the house shows it wasn't what people might think. And, uh, boy, that was a harsh reality for me. Yeah. Because you know? the perception, the perception yeah. is you're famous. You must also be rich. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the perception right from there. Yeah, and it like, is. We, we as humble, humble nobodies yeah. have to say uh, perception is a bitch because yeah. I ain't ever been rich. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, yeah. I've done well, but not rich. That's for sure. And that's the funny thing, though. That was the whole part of being on television for Vince. Um, and what kind of... Uh, oper- he always used the word when he'd negotiate with me. And not just me, everybody. everybody. Uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Opportunity. And what he did was, being on his television program, he made us stars. And with that stardom, then we could, once we left or whatever, we would be worth much more money than we were before we came in, which was true. Um, you know, the thing is, you know, you really don't, you know, you don't want to leave Vince, you know, uh, where are you going to go? And, uh, that started to happen when ECW and WCW went out of business. I was lucky enough to uh, get re-signed by WWE in 2001, uh, after, uh, the, you know, around the time of the invasion, cause I was on the last ECW show and then right. I went right over to raw but uh, a lot of people, man, there was no place to work, you know, except the indies, and that's not reliable, unfortunately. So it was uh, it was a rough patch. What was what was the X Factor days like? Oh, those were fun, man. Those were a lot of fun. I loved working with Pac. I mean, he's a good yeah. friend, always was, still is, and yeah. uh, we had a lot of fun. We really did. That's that's really you know the funniest part about it was like I was into like, and, and this is kind of actually embarrassing now that I'm a grown adult. <laughs> I was I was I was uh really into I was really into like that album that Uncle Cracker had. Yeah. And yeah. then when you guys used it, then I was like, hey, that's cool. I like well, that song. There's a story behind that. I was uh me and a couple of the ECW guys from uh Michigan, uh, Sabu and Van Dam, we were friends with Kid Rock, Joey mm-hmm. C, uh mm-hmm. and uh Cracker. Well, Uncle Cracker's brother, Mike, uh, Uncle Cracker's name is Matt, Mike Schaefer was my agent. So I became really close with the guys from Kid Rock and Mike being my agent. Uh, Cracker's album was just coming out. Uh, the lead single was called Follow Me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were looking for another uh, another couple of singles. So mm-hmm. Mike uh, said, you know, pitch this to Stephanie, you know, use one of Cracker's songs. So we did just to be different and kind mm-hmm. of uh, to get a heel vibe because it was such a weird kind of difference not different but nobody was you know, using for, wrestling, for wrestling for wrestling for wrestling they weren't using that stuff right, right it was more like rock and roll and that kind of right. shit so i just figured man we're heels let's let's just use something really outside the box and uh to this day man people still remember the song uh mm-hmm. and it's that is attached with x factor it's kind of funny worked yeah. out you know well you know what's funny man like i felt like i, I mean when when me, me and my friend Scott would come, go and, and see the ECW shows, like we kind of knew, like you were kind of like an ode to the whole click thing, because right. like you would come out and you'd do the yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. the same sort of suck it thing. Yep. So we we were we were fans of all those guys. So yep. we were also fans of you, and I think not even knowing the heart connection at the time. Okay. Yep. But that that adds if if. If my 13-year-old self could see my 36-year-old self right. uh, having a conversation with you about this and then you telling me that, he'd probably be like, whoa, cool. <laughs> That's great. I think tons good of stuff. I think tons of a lot a tons of the things I think about what my 13-year-old self would think about me now yeah. is, is really mind-blowing. And, and That's awesome, I hope, though. I hope that a lot of people feel that way. I hope that a lot of people have that sort of perspective on things and go like, wow, like yeah. this has been a journey. This has been a journey to be where I'm at. So yeah. that's, that's what kind of wanted me, made, made me want to get off of talking about wrestling with you and just sure. kind of, yeah. kind of jump a little bit into like the life stuff. Yeah. So you grew up in Connecticut. Yep. Yeah. Uh, both parents, siblings. 
Uh, yeah, uh, both parents uh, still married to this day. Uh, one brother and uh, middle class family. Um, always born, born and raised here. Always been here. Still here. Uh, I, I live probably half a mile from where I went to high school and uh, half a mile the other way from where I grew up, like my mom and dad's old house. Uh, they since have moved to Portugal to their back to their home country uh, after they retired from, uh, you know, from working and stuff here. So, uh, yeah, you know, pretty much um, all I've done my whole life is, is wrestle. And uh, now I'm just at the point in my life where I'm uh, – kind of looking for something different to do, you know, I don't know what that, what that looks like, you know, do you, uh, which is odd, you know, <laughs> well, scary. Do you think about starting a podcast? Cause I mean, I have, I have, I have, I, um, I look at it like this uh, for a while. I wanted to write a book mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to write a book, but then I was like, you know what, if it gets published and then in 10 years, somebody goes, Hey, you said this in your book and I don't agree with it. And you kind of hurt my feelings. I'm like, well, I don't, I probably don't agree with it either. Right. Uh, at least on this, I have the opportunity to, to, to say the next, the next yeah. day, the next, right. next episode where like, oh, you know what? I said that thing. Like, I don't know if I really feel that way. And, right, right, right. and nothing's really on paper, but it's on the record. And it's right. like this, this shit's outliving us, dude. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I for sure feel like a lot of times. When I come, when it comes to my podcast, I always mm-hmm. say, like, when I'm not here anymore, I hope everybody who loves me will go back and listen to to the start to when I'm to when I'm done. Because, yeah. like I said, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. So, yeah. if I if I started when I was 33, and now I'll be by the time this episode comes out, I'll be 37. So, okay. so it's like I'm gonna continue to grow as a as a broadcaster. And sure continue to grow as a as a comedian and can grow as as a wrestler if i'm still doing that you know yeah. what I mean? it's yeah. all part of part of the the soup yeah part of the, yeah. Part of the soup. so i feel like with the with the lessons you've got you couldn't fit them all into five minute youtube videos right right absolutely if yeah to, if you were to like maybe have conversations with other wrestlers and to me to me it's really not about like the monetization of it. Like I really, I haven't made a dime off of this, Sure, sure. but it, it's the, the currency of effort, the currency of attention. If I can grab your attention and make you like, maybe look at things a little bit differently than you were looking at it before, or maybe learn something you didn't know before or right. something like that. I'd rather, I'd rather have that. And that's why I think you'd benefit from having a situation like that where you can kind of just shoot the shit about the business yeah, on, yeah. and have your own platform for it. So yeah. absolutely. If I can be any resource to you in that, like absolutely let me know uh, as of, as of today, as we're recording this, uh, <laughs> we, we had a little snafu with the Skype and, and I had to use the, the um, wrestle rock stream yard. So yes. if you see the wrestle rock logo yeah. in, the, in the background, yeah. uh, I have to say thanks, Rick. Thanks so much. <laughs> and uh, man, like, let me let me really at any point, dude. If you have any anything you want to talk to me about or ask me about, uh, for sure, you got my number, dude. Hit me up yeah, anytime. Man. Oh, and, thank uh, you. I, I definitely appreciate that, dude. And that also like goes back to us talking about the uh, the openness of the availability to talk to anybody. Right. Really, like that didn't exist when we were no. younger. No. At all. And, and it's, it's really cool because um, not just me um, reaching out to people. I mean, I've had people reach out to me. Uh, that's kind of blown my mind. I've had all kinds of comedians that are fans of, of, of me that kind of blew me away. Uh, all kinds of artists. I had Andrew, uh, Andrew Yang, the pres- Democratic presidential candidate, uh, reached out to me. Um, you know, and it was like mind blowing because I guess he was a wrestling fan uh, from childhood and right. he'd gotten into a little bit of a discussion publicly about Vince McMahon and uh, how, uh, yeah, the unionization. So just mm-hmm. like just just talking to all kinds of people is is really neat. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see with the podcast up. I just feel right now I'm just looking for a career, though. That's my biggest thing, because financially yeah. uh, things have been really hard, man. I ain't going to lie. Uh, you know, COVID has really kicked uh, our asses 
in, mm -hmm. in entertainment, not just pro wrestling and all of entertainment, uh, live events, uh, musicians, people that make their money touring, uh, comedians. Um, you know, it, it's been a struggle. So, uh, you know, we'll see what, what happens. But, you know, I'm looking for that next part of my career as far as, yeah. uh, you know, making making a living. You yeah, know, that's yeah, kind dude. of uh, the most important I, thing right now. I, I totally feel what you're saying. Like, on shoot, like my day job, it's like I'm just like a helper at an HVAC. Like, that's, okay. what, I've been, that's what I've been doing lately. And, okay. um, you know, that's obviously not what I want to do with the rest of my life, but it's for sure what's helping me get by currently. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what it, I think that when you talk to anybody, mostly people get like, people get like, so caught up in I hate my job, I hate my job, and not looking at their job as just a means for income to, an to get yeah, them yeah, means to, to an end to yeah, whatever right. the next the next yeah. journey, the next chapter might be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm I'm still fortunate enough to to make money on wrestling, and it, you know, I go to L.A. this weekend uh, to do a virtual uh, meet and greet out there. But also, uh, they have a comic book shop, so we'll be doing both virtual and physical, which is cool. I've been on the West Coast in a while, but you know, we'll 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 see. I'm, I'm just trying to to figure out what the next step for me is. You know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Do you know, <laughs> this is a funny thing, and this is kind of more personally you and I. Um, in 2011, uh, in the summer of 2011, I I had a grand mal seizure that almost killed me. Uh, oh, wow. And I had to have brain surgery, right? So brain, all that aside, whatever, I don't want to get into the whole story. <laughs> I can talk that story a bazillion, a bazillion times. But right before I had the grand mal seizure, I was supposed to have a match with you. Oh, wow. And I was super psyched to have that match. And that never happened. Oh, wow. So That sucks. Well, could, it sucks you had the seizure. <laughs> you you could have saved me. You could have saved me. I could have been like, well, I could I could get out of the business. I had my final match with Justin Credible. Uh, oh, I don't need geez. to come back. But here yeah. I go, coming back. Coming back for more. Only I thought you... Months. I thought you were going to say something like, yeah, I was supposed to work with you and you know, show. <laughs> thought you were going to go that way. <laughs> no, we were supposed to have a match, dude. And you, uh, you, you showed up, but I think okay. I died. That's good. I think I might've passed away. Oh, that's no good. Well, we're, we're, we're definitely glad you're here. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But, but, uh, thank you for, uh, not dude. Maybe if, maybe if, if we did have that match, Maybe I would have not come back. You know what I mean? You so, never know, man. Never but, know. And it's never too late to have that match, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Never too late to have that match. But Absolutely. For sure. Because it's like, it's part of like showing people that you can go with what works, probably. Yeah. If we were to have that match, it would be as over as any like slappy thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, guaranteed, dude. I, that's one thing. Um, I, I've learned more about what, uh, what gets me over and how to get over and how to get others over. I know more now than I ever have. You know, it's funny. I was looking at a picture of Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk in 1997 or 98. We were doing something. I think me and Lance were doing something with Dreamer and Funk. And I'm looking at, uh, Funk, uh, standing next to Dreamer and Funk looks great. And I'm like, wow, Terry's probably like 47, 48 here. And even, you know, and then we looked at him as this old man who was on the brink of death. <laughs> and I'm like, he's my age, dude. <laughs> I mean, Terry always did that, though. Terry always played up his, uh, a lot of that shit was a work with Terry. Even the stuff that behind the, uh, the, behind the ring thing mm -hmm. or whatever, beyond the map. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of that was a work because I know Terry really well now. Uh, so, but anyways, he always, you know, you always believe that Terry was this fossil, and I'm like, damn, he was 40s my age, then, but, you know. But it, it 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 lended a lot to the idea of anybody who decides to get into this business, oh, yeah. is sacrificing a ton. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's he's definitely in a lot of pain, but he wasn't as bad off, I don't think, as uh, he portrayed. You know. Like that, that was what, what a scene, what a scene yeah. for him to go, Oh, I should be able to walk around comfortably. And he's like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. at all. Like yeah. for sure. That's something like we've all had sure. conversations like that with oh, doctors about certain things. And, it, and it's like, uh, uh, I don't know if the fans or whatever ever really understand what we'll just kind of give up 
for that pop. Like the fact that the fact that um, missed lots of birthdays, weddings, funerals, parties, any anything, lots of lots of sacrificed like like time with loved ones that we won't get back. But we 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 knew that when we decided to get into it. And I say a lot too is like um like headshots. Headshot like headshots with the chairs, yeah. Like, there, I kind of still say, like, I wouldn't take those back. Like, that, that, yeah. even though that was, I, you know, I had maybe 20 some concussions and brain sure. surgery, it's like, yeah. it's like nothing felt as good as that pop. Yeah. I, I took a, I took an unprotected chair shot to the head in a baseball field in South Jersey for, uh, for two pizzas. <laughs> in front of like in front of like 15 people yeah i believe it i've been there too man right. Shit. we've all been there we've all been there but like it, it nothing nothing matches that pop and it's like the chair hurts but everything hurts yeah yeah i see what you're saying and to me it was it wasn't even the, the pops were great but then it like you know after you when you leave the big time uh getting a pop in front of 50 people is not is not like getting a pop in front of Madison Square Garden I always tried to get it you know but I never got that feeling again so for me the fun and then and the good stuff I get out of it now is just putting on good matches and having fun with who I'm working with it's it's the fun of being actually in there now that does it for me is instead of uh, getting the reaction uh, for me, it's like the actual good time of working and uh, kind of playing in my little playground. That's what I really dig these days because it's so much more relaxed and I can call my own shots. You know, that's that's the pleasure. The real pleasure it is for me is just to have have that kind of fun and know, you know, I'm in control. I'm going to have a good match. I'm going to have a safe match. And uh, we're going to, you know, and it's it's so much fun. In there. I could be in there forever just walking and talking and fucking around, you know. Yeah. It's it's weird. Like you were talking about wrestling schools. You were talking yeah, about yeah. wrestling schools. And I, I and I, and I think I I I think about this all the time. And I I say it as often as people care to listen to it. Uh, the the difference between like football, baseball, soccer, any of that. They they everybody has a team in their school that does that. Right. Mixed martial arts. There's a strip mall everywhere that has that. Everybody can do that. Yeah. Anybody who's in this in this side of the barricade, it's like we had to seek it out. We had to. Yes. It's it's such a it's such a small small amount yeah. of people who do it. That's why that's why it's when I say the Johnny Walmart kick pads. It's like yeah. that's why that's embarrassing because yes. there's so few of us that yeah. somebody that represents what that idea of wrestling is in yeah. someone else's mind doesn't match what I am. That that's sort that's sort of the the weirdness. Yeah. But when it came to, when it came to like honestly, it it's such a it's and I used this word before AEW was a thing. It's such an elite brand of person. We're yeah. su- it's such an elite brand of person who will go. You know what? I'll I'll sacrifice this much of my life. I'll give my life to this. Yeah. I'll give the rest of my life to this. Probably my entire life to this. Sure. And yeah, it takes it takes a unique individual. That's for sure. Right. It's it's, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. Uh, but, but listen, I got to get going because yeah, uh, my wife is going to work, and I got to uh, take instructions from her uh, before yeah. she leaves. <laughs> can, I, can I? Can I? Of course. Get more things, and then yes, absolutely, and we'll handshake and hot dog and send you home. Let's go. All right. So, uh, time machine. Audio yes. time machine is this is this is what I do. So, like I said, this this shit's outlast outlasting us. So, you know, 10, 20 years, someone who really cares about you, your kids listen to this. They want to know what dad's really like. Your your best friends will listen to this. They want to know what what just incredible or PJ is really like. In this moment, you are traveling with your voice and audio time travel to that moment where they want to hear the message for them in 10, 20 years. What is it? Um, I, I went on this journey uh, of, in pro wrestling uh, to, to entertain people and out of pure love and passion for it. 
And uh, I just want them to know that I, I gave everything I had uh, to entertain the fans. And uh, I just want to be, you know, I want them to remember uh, how much I truly enjoyed it as well. So uh, I would say that. Okay. So hypothetically, and this mm -hmm. might be the case, hypothetically, I'm gifting you this podcast. So you might have your own podcast, but that's beside the point. Hypothetically, this podcast is now yours. It's now evolving with Just Incredible. Okay. As a very Jerry Springer's final thought type of way, how would you wrap this all up in a pretty bow to take the life lessons in order to try to evolve to a better version of yourself tomorrow? Um, just always look for more, always explore, always try to be better than you were the day before. Um, always have that boyish or girlish quality in you that you're, you're curious, that you want to kind of see what's behind that door. Um, I think that always uh, worked for me in life and I think it'll work for others as well. All right. Well, uh, I, I want to say that I really, really appreciate your time and effort. Uh, the, the, it's very valuable, this currency, this conversation, the, Absolutely. the attention, the attention is very important. Uh, I, I like to say at the end of, of every episode, if, like I said it to you already, if I can be a resource for you in any way, and this oh, doesn't absolutely. just go for who I'm talking to, this goes for who's listening. If I can be a resource for you, and if you feel like you need some judgment-free conversation, if you need maybe <laughs> some advice, if you need absolutely. some help, talk to me. I'm here. I'm not. I exist. <laughs> Let me know you exist. Uh, absolutely, man. Go ahead. You know, if you can support somebody who you know who's who's given you who's given you this you know. This this message, somebody who's given you their love and their attention, go ahead and hit go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Maybe go back and listen to the other two hundred and six episodes of the pod, two hundred and seven episodes of the podcast, and you know maybe follow on Instagram or or Twitter at Corey Castle at what's yours, uh, PJ Polacco? Uh, at PJ Polacco, yes, on both Instagram and Twitter. All right, well. Just incredible, PJ. Thanks so much for all your time. I, dude, I love you, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. It's been an Thank honor and a pleasure, dude. I had a great time. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm hoping this is just the beginning, man. Absolutely. You'll hear from me again. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Corey. Have a great yeah. one. You too, man. See Bye. ya.